Hello and welcome to another episode of Midmitten Gaming. Today I, your host Juice, am going to be doing a series of interviews with some different people uh, concerning the games and GMs, different things that are going to be at Midmitten Gaming Con. Uh, Jeff is currently out at Gen Con, enjoying and having a good time. And um, I have been graciously joined by our good friend Ian. Ian, go ahead and uh, say hi. Hello. Uh, Ian is going to be doing (laughs) (laughs) some stuff for us uh, for upcoming Midmitten Gaming Con in November. And uh, we just wanted to have a group of people come in and talk about um, the different stuff that they're going to be running and get to kind of tell you about their games, something they're excited about, and just in general, um, you know, get you excited about the con, let you know what's coming, and just all the awesome things that are going to be there. So to start with, Ian, go ahead and give us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, uh, my name is Self-Explanatory. Um, if you are in any of the Discord channels that I also am on, I go by the name of Aramac. Um, usually I have my name tagged to that too, so I'm not that hard to find. <laughs> um, and I will be running uh, Conquest and associated events with that game at Midmitten Con. So, um, you want me to talk about uh, how I got into the game and what the game is about, real quick? I can. Yeah, launch let's into that. do it. So, tell us about Conquest and um, kind of what your first experiences with it. All right. Well, um, first off, I'll talk about what Conquest is. Uh, Conquest is a 38 millimeter rank-and-flank fantasy game uh, that also has a skirmish rule set that just dropped, uh, actually this week, uh, the new army lists just came out for that. So the, um, what was the best way to describe it as the pitch is, it's a single miniatures line, but with two rule sets. So if you are the kind of gamer that misses Warhammer Fantasy or want something of that line, there's Conquest and the Last Argument of Kings, and that is your big battle rank and flanking. However, if you're more of a skirmish player, uh, Conquest First Blood is individual units that are trying to go in and do maybe behind the lines, or covert missions, or uh, forward deployment kind of missions. So there are two ways to play in the same universe, which is a really neat kind of pitch. Um, the one thing that I've always tried to stress is that if you are a player that comes from other game systems and you are somebody that constantly rolls low dice, for example, one of the more popular gaming systems uses G6, and you're the guy that, oh, I need a three, and you roll a two or a one, Conquest is the game for you, because the game is a roll low system. So let's say you have a stat line of, oh... Your fight, your fight stat is three. Okay, I, I'm going to roll to see if I can hit this enemy regiment that I'm in contact with. You need to hit, you roll threes or less, not threes and above. So I've had several demo, uh, people that have gotten demos go, I like this game because I can actually roll. <laughs> yeah, so, I, that has been nice on the demos I've seen. Yeah. So that, um, the other unique mechanic that Conquest has is it has a reinforcement mechanic. Whereas some other games have a a deployment zone, you set up your whole army, maybe you have a unit or two that's off to the side that comes in later, and then you play the game, you know, through the turns. 
Conquest is different in that nothing starts on the board on turn one. You have to roll to see if your regiments come on the board as if the armies are coming together in the field of battle. So it gives more of a dynamic way of feeling. It feels like a rolling battle than just like, I'm going to stand up my guys over here, you're going to stand up your guys over there, and now we're going to fight. It, yeah. it feels much it feels much more dynamic and much more, I guess, natural than some of the other deployment yeah. systems that are out there. In my demos with oh. you, I really enjoyed the card mechanic. Uh, it was one of my favorite parts just because it yeah. had yeah. that element of surprise, like you don't know what your opponent's necessarily bringing on the field that turn. Yeah, and I can talk about that real quick. Um, the other mechanic in Conquest is it the activate is alternating activation. I activate a regiment, you activate a regiment until everybody goes. But your activations are determined by what is called the command deck. That is a set of cards that represent units uh, in your army that are uh, currently either coming on as reinforcements or are already on the board. And you take those cards and you order them in the sequence that you want them to activate. Let's take my favorite army, which is Nords. And I'll, if you want to talk about factions real quick, I can launch into that real uh, afterwards. But my favorite faction is Nords. And let's say I have a unit of Huskarls and a unit of uh, Trolls and maybe a character. Well, let's say I want my Trolls to activate first. They will be the first card face down in the deck. And then let's say I want my character to go. He'll be the next card. And then the, um, the last unit will be at the bottom of the deck. And as I play, I would flip those cards over to show my opponent, hey, I'm activating this unit for, uh, at this time. You'd go and perform the regiment's actions. Your opponent would flip their card over, activate their next regiment, and so on and so forth until both of you have completed your turn. So that's a really neat mechanic, and I really like that. A lot of rank-and-flank games, in my experience, have been incredibly stale because... All my stuff does their things. All your stuff does their things. whoop de do. We go to turn next turn. Rinse, repeat. Whereas with the command deck, I know on what regiments are coming up next. I, necess don't, I don't necessarily know how my opponent is going to counter with his actions. I've been caught by surprise, and I've caught my opponents by surprise as well, depending on how the command deck is, uh, is ordered. And one thing to clarify is that that command deck is not shuffled. You, if you want to play like that, you can, but you uh, you have control over what units activate. Um, so that mechanic is what really drives me to the game. I really like the ability to try and plan ahead and like, okay, I see this regiment on my opponent's table might be going for that objective. I'm going to try to activate, uh, put these, this unit in this posi particular position in the command deck to try to counter that. So you can try and plan ahead and see if you can head off your opponent, depending on how dice rolls and how your opponent plays uh, their army. Nice, okay. So, yeah, so we kind of talked about a little bit, I guess, about why uh, what your favorite part's about the game. Yeah, give us a little bit of a faction breakdown, a real high level, and they introduced some new ones recently, so... Um, yes, they did. So uh, I'm going to start with the two beginner... Uh, factions that most people are from, uh, should have seen by now, uh, and that is the Spires and the Hundred Kingdoms. Um, the Spires is Parabellum's take on Elves. They are an um, intergalactic race that have been stranded on Ea, which is the world that the Conquest takes place in. And the Spires that started 
were, weren't even really a colony. They were more like a research outpost. And some great calamity happened on their home planet. And a bunch of refugees came through the portal or whatever it was that they had. Uh, and then one, the one big wig came through, closed the portal behind him and goes, we're not going back. I'm in charge now. <laughs> and their big stick on the table is a lot of healing, a lot of buffing units to the, uh, like overcharging them. But that kind of kicks you, uh, in the rear when the, the activation is done, you can like burn your own units because you overcharge them too much. So, or, uh, so the way that the faction plays is you can do what's called the monster mass, which is big, grotesque, bioengineered constructs, or you can play hordes of little dudes. <laughs> and both are equally annoying to deal with. Um, so the spires kind of have that, um, that feel to them where yeah, you can like go the either dudes, or. Cool. <laughs> yeah, the big dudes would do the brutes really look cool. cool. Yeah. Um, not to linger too long in each faction, I'm going to swing over to the Hundred Kingdoms. Hundred Kingdoms is more of your your standard fantasy human faction, for lack of a better term. Uh, they have knights, and they have dudes with pikes, and dudes with swords, and dude, dudes with bows. Uh, that's kind of what their thing is. Their backstory is they are... Their kingdoms are remnants of a greater empire that we'll t I'll talk about a little bit later. And they've all kind of become their own little kingdoms in and of themselves. There's no overall leader for the Hundred Kingdoms. Uh, for the huge history nerds out there, think more Holy Roman Empire than the Roman Empire. You know, So you got all these little fiefdoms that are all kind of trying to jockey for a position and not really understanding the greater threat that uh, the, some of the other factions may pose. But uh, gameplay-wise, they're a very much a combined arms faction. You want to have your chaff. You're going to want to have your heavy-hitting knights. And you're going to want to have to coordinate between those two to guarantee victory. Uh, so that's kind of 100 Kingdoms in a nutshell. Uh, the next faction is Dwegum. If you like dwarves, this is your faction. <laughs> uh, they like Party fire. Dwarves. <laughs> and they like <laughs> yeah, they they like they like uh, fire and they like to hit things. Uh, for, if you have any players that are familiar with Age of Sigmar, uh, take the Fire Slayers and ramp that up to eleven. Their uh, quick backstory on them is that the spires and the dragons actually had a war eons ago, and you know because they realized neither one could defeat the other, like okay, we're just gonna try and coexist, I guess. And over time, the dragons were like, hey, we see you got this cool biotechnology, uh, biogenetic stuff. Can we like kind of trade for that? And the dragons got a hold of it. And they said, well, we need a, a race that'll come and do all this menial work for us while we're sleeping. So they created dwarves. And dwarves were given the ability to have a genetic memory. Or so they didn't have to keep training new generations of craftsmen and miners. And over time, as the dwarves dug deeper and deeper and deeper, some of them tried to revolt against the dragons. And the dragons, you know, ruthlessly put the, uh, the revolt down. And the ones that survived were put in the deepest mines. Well, 
because of that genetic memory, those dwarves remember the slight that the dragons gave them. And as they dug deeper and deeper, deeper, they eventually found the chained essence of war towards the core of the planet and unleashed them. And war gave those dwarves an, uh, a bit of his essence. And so those dwarves that were at the bottom of, yeah, that, were, that had unleashed go to war against the dragons and the, their kin that still supported them. Oh, okay. Eventually, eventually killing all the dragons and their kinsmen that were still in support of the dragons. Okay. They look really sweet, too. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, they do look really sweet. So, um, the Dwegum are very, very angry and very, very territorial. Um, on the table, they are very much an anvil uh, force. They like they are they're typical dwarves. They move slow, but they hit like trucks. So that's kind of Dwegum in a you know. Yeah, sure. a, a, it's like Grumpy what, left the they... seven dwarves and started to attack the forest people. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see, who can I talk about next? Uh, like, um, what about the big old dinosaur? Well, uh, let's talk about Wadroon. Um, Wadroon were a spires experiment. <laughs> uh, the the Wadroon uh, are basically what happens when a genetic experiment gains sentience and is left abandoned to its own devices. Uh, the If I remember the story right, the Spires research facility that they were developing the Ladrun at came under attack by the Dwegum. And the Spires basically said, okay, yeah, we're not going to be able to hold this. We're leaving. And, you know, the Dwegum, having achieved their goal of driving the Spires off, kind of went off and did their own thing. And the Ladrun were like, all right, well, what do we do now? <laughs> and over time, they created their own society and their own system of surviving in basically a wasteland and taming these creatures that, you know, we would call dinosaurs. So you'll, that's why you get the raptor riders and the T-Rex and, uh, upcoming soon, I believe we are getting a Brachiosaurus. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. 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 We're getting a, we're get, it's basically a Brachiosaurus with a howdah on the back of it. <laughs> I think Mama Kill from Lord of the Rings. See on the the field. Yeah, um, they are a kind of a tricky faction because they have their their faction ability is uh, war chance, and as they activate on the field, they get additional abilities that unlock through the use of their uh, chanting abilities. So. They are kind of an Alpha Strike faction, but they have some tricks up their sleeve that don't really make them a true Alpha Strike faction. Okay. So, um, I will say that Raptor Riders are mean. I've faced I faced them a couple times. I, I they're just hard to deal with because they're fast and they hit they hit really hard. But if you hit them back, they don't do so well. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, Nords is uh, my favorite faction. Uh, take take uh, your typical you know, take your typical Nord like lore, like you know Ragnarok and Odin and Thor and all that, and kind of tweak it a little bit, and that's when you get uh, Parabellum's version of Nords. So for them, 
they are also they the spires also have their hand in the Nord's backstory, where they kind of took select individuals and experimented on them. You know, they were taken to Valhalla and they were imbued with different properties to see what would happen. And a spires general by the name of Loki kind of messed everything up for everybody. So the Nords actually uh, have already gone through Ragnarok. And for them, the current setting of Aya is a post-apocalypse. So they're kind of falling back on old habits of raiding and trying to survive and just trying to carve out an existence in uh, Manaheim, which is the continent to uh, on the north side of the map. Okay. So I didn't know. That's funny. Uh, the spires are like evil scientists, elves. It's, they're the mad scientists. That's what they do. <laughs> um, Nords are the, uh, you know, Wadroon kind of can do the Alpha Strike a little bit. Nords are the Alpha Strike faction. They love to hit. They love to hit first. They love to hit hard. But if you pin them down and get them into an attrition fight, they kind of don't like it. They have some units that will uh, do better in that situation. Uh, the Uger, which are the big uh, group-based troll units that you might have seen. And of course, the Jotners. I love Jotners. Jotners are hilarious. Uh, they're the big giants that come in and just hit things with trees they or cool. ice spells. <laughs> um, my particular uh, mountain Jotner that I have for my army, his name is Broccoli. Because he has a tree that has uh, foliage on it, and it looks like a stalk of broccoli. Yeah, it really does. It looks like the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> um, I yes, uh, I think one of your players up there near Mount Pleasant has a green mountain Jotner. Yeah, he was, he was at the GT last year, so I'm looking forward to seeing that again. Have a have a Jotner fight. Uh, let's see what did uh, that Nords. Let's talk Old Dominion, which is actually current what I'm currently building right now. Um, Old Dominion is the first human empire in AF. Um, You know how I mentioned earlier the Hundred Kingdoms were kind of created after this empire. Uh, the Old Dominion is what happens when your god gets tired of being a god, and the people that rely on him, half of them want to keep him around and half of them want to kill him. Uh, so through a course of events, uh, Hazia, which is the name of the god, was brought back, basically crashed into Capitus, which was their big city. It's almost like the city of Rome for, uh, for the Old Dominion. And his crashing to Earth basically unleashed a bunch of necrotic uh, power. And caused all these undead, uh, all these legions that had uh, fallen in battle to rise up. And the the neat mechanic for for Old Dominion is that they don't do morale the same as other armies do. So basically, the the, the genuine way to kill an Old Dominion army is to hack it to pieces. You can't make him run. You can't make him get scared. They will can relentlessly come up the board, and as they come up the board, they get more powerful through their through the, um, the powers of Hazlia. So Old Dominion is a 
awesome faction. I love their look. Um, if you haven't seen the models yet, I would highly recommend you check them out. If you like Romans and you like Undead with a little bit of Byzantine theme thrown in, check out Old Dominion. Yeah, that's uh, one thing that Parabellum does well is I feel like you see a little bit of familiarity in each faction, but then there's like a whole weird twist to it, like alternate yeah. history almost. Did I miss any factions? I think those are all the current um, live factions, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, the current one. So the wet appetite for some of your listeners, there are. Uh, we know for sure that the next faction will be city states. Which I'm excited about for Minotaurs. Yeah, yeah. So city states are also people that that they saw what was coming in the old Dominion, and they're like, "We're going to leave before stuff gets crazy over there." So they went and founded their own little philosopher cities and once again parabellum is a greek uh, owned company with a lot of you know greek names uh, hi leo if you're listening uh, <laughs> um the city states are the greeks and they have steampunk hot flights and minotaurs and that's about all the art that we've seen so far but i would think a lot of Archimedean style technology would be uh, like key in that faction. So we should see that tail end of this year, beginning of next year. Yeah, hopefully for Adepticon, that'd be sweet. Yeah, and the Parabellum keeps finding ways to separate me from my money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, those those are the factions in a nutshell. uh, obviously, there's resources available on the Parabellum website that goes more into the lore, and um, I, I can't preface this enough. All the all rules, your army book, your army list, the army builder, all of that is free. You don't need to buy a book if you don't want to. Yeah, and they have a really great website. I was kind of messing around on there the other day, so it's really user-friendly and um, a lot of good artwork on there. So... Awesome. Oh, the artwork's great. Artwork's great. So uh, we yeah, are super... And, uh, sorry, I could have cut you off there, Ian. Um, we're super excited, though, to um, have Ian running this for us. Uh, Ian, as we're wrapping it up here, so you can go ahead and finish out what you're talking about there. But afterward, um, w- what do you want to tell the people that are signing up for Midmint and Gaming Con, what they can expect as far as events you're running and things to look forward to um, after you uh, finish up there? Well, the current plan right now is I will be hosting demos and I will be hosting uh, open play tables uh, nearby, hopefully, uh, so that if you buy an army and you haven't had a chance to play yet, you can come out and play uh, full games up to whatever point level you want. Uh, if you just want to come check out the game, I have a, I will have a demo table set up. And you can get uh, a brief, maybe 30-minute demo to to showcase some core mechanics for Conquest, how the, uh, sorry, how the the roles work, how regiments move, uh, you know, just kind of give you a basic overview of the game. Um, And if I get enough interest, I will probably throw First Blood on that, too, to see if uh, people want to try First Blood. It's uh, skirmishes more of your more their uh, speeds, but right now that's kind of the plan. Uh, nothing super major, nothing super crazy, but uh, that's what I got planned for Midbenton Con. Afterward, 
uh, if you buy into the game, if, if we wet your whistle enough to to buy in, the Michigan Conquest crew will be doing a narrative campaign next year involving all the local stores in Michigan. Uh, myself, Ian Piatella over at Golden Rhino and several other game stores are planning on putting this together for a 2023 season. So look forward to announcements on that if you uh, if that's something that you're interested in. I know awesome. some of my lo- some of my local players. The minute I mentioned narrative campaign, they're like, "God, sold!" <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. narratives are pretty fun, especially with rich lore like they have in uh, Conquest. Um, and the talk about the uh, the company itself, Parabellum War Games, their support is top notch. The way they listen to players and take feedback has been nothing but exceptional. Um, if you have a problem with a product, like a part is broken or you're missing a sprue or whatever, they will take care of you. And I have had incredibly fast shipping from Cyprus. <laughs> yeah. And I want to say too, Parabellum, anytime I've like talked to them, dealt with them, anything like that, and even for Midmitten Gaming Con, um, they've just been awesome. They're like one of the most professional, you know, like you can have the greatest game in the world, but if you don't have a good company, then I'm not going to play your game. It's one of those things that Parabellum, the company is so good that it makes you just want to play the game because they have like such professionalism, such kindness, and like they're just cool people. I, you know, I've met a few in passing through Ian, uh, through Adepticon and everything, and it's very cool to see that company and what they do and how they support their players. Exactly. So, um, there's, I had another thought, but uh, if you are at Gen Con this weekend and you're listening to this, swing by their booth. Uh, Say hi to Joey and Leo if he's there. Get a demo. Check out the booth. Check out the painted models. Oh my gosh, the painted models are gorgeous. They have an Apex Predator in the case. And if you want to see how big some of these large based monsters can get, check it out. Uh, they they get big. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ian... um, yeah, that's kind of all I got. Um, if you have any further questions for me, I'd be happy to answer them. No. Thank you so much for joining us on Midmitten um, Gaming and for the podcast and for the con, too. Uh, we're really excited that you're going to be there and hosting a great game by a great company. So uh, to all our listeners, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to you, uh, your gaming and you know, coming to the Midmitten Gaming Con. Just a little bit about it. It's going to be uh, November 4th, 5th, and 6th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this upcoming year. Or, sorry, this year, 2022. And uh, we're going to be starting, kicking off at 5 on Friday. Uh, there's going to be a lot of different stuff going on there. Saturday, we've got a couple different tournaments, demos, RPGs going all weekend long for um, Pathfinder, various things. Uh, we're going to be doing some different episodes and stuff like that, just highlight spotlights on our GMs that are running games for us. And we're super excited. So you guys have a wonderful day, and thank you. Have a good one, guys.